into movies. I don't mean do you like movies, do you get into movies. I get into movies, right? I know, I know. Um, if you're watching a movie, with, don't talk to me while there's a movie on, right? I'm in a movie. I don't understand how these people do other things during a movie. You know, when I'm in the movie, that's the only thing that's going on in my life. And for good, never, ever, ever watch half a movie. Right, that's a, once you start a movie, you just got to watch the whole thing in one sitting. I get really into movies. Um, I like uh, if I had to choose, like action movies. I love true stories. In fact, we watched last night a movie called The Swimmers. Have you heard of that? It's a true. It's only a few years old. It's a true story of two Syrian sisters, uh, teenagers who fled uh, who fled the war in Syria as refugees, um, and they wanted to be Olympic swimmers and travelled across the Mediterranean. It just tracks... It is incredible. This stuff really happened. Um, these two girls, and you can actually, you know, you can read up about their, their story and whatever. Um, but when I watch movies, I'm the kind of person, if it's an action film, like, I jump and I, you know, I, I kind of into it. In fact, I'm told, I, I don't see this in myself, but I'm watching a car chase in a movie. I do this in the, in the car chase. Someone once said to me it was more fun watching me watch the movie than actually watching the movie. Is, there, is anyone else like that? I'm just into movies. Um, yeah, thank you. But it's a weird thing to get into a movie like because you know, you know the ending's going to be good, don't you? You're like you're watching an action film and you're like, oh my gosh, there's all the bad guys and the one good guy. Is he possibly going to survive? And of course... She does, and of course he does, because we know that's the way movies work, don't they? I mean, we're watching this film. I decided to do the swimmers last night, and they're, they're like 20 people on, a, on an inflatable dinghy crossing the Mediterranean at night, and, and you, like, you know they're going to make it, right? I mean, not a spoiler, because it's the film about... It's the true story of the girls, right? So you know that, you know that they're not going to drown in the Mediterranean, but you're still watching it like, oh, I wonder if they're going to survive, even though you know even though you know that you don't have to worry about them surviving the crossing because that's the whole point of the film. In movies, you never have to worry about the happy ending because you know that things are always going to turn out well because it's a movie and that's the way the movie world works. We're talking about the kingdom of God. It said that Jesus begins his public ministry as a man of about 30 years of age when he sort of steps onto the, if you like, the public scene for the first time. And his opening words, or among his opening words, he says, the kingdom of God has come near. And as we've said right through this series, a lot of people heard that and they went, yes, finally someone to raise an army and, and, and take on the Roman, the Roman occupying army and, and you know, wipe out the Romans and, and return our nation and, you know, we're free and, and all of that. That's what they expected when they heard that. But the kingdom that Jesus was talking about wasn't started with a fight and he never raised an army. The kingdom of God, which is the, the, the kingdom that Jesus came to start, isn't a new nation at all. We've said all along that it's like a, a world within a world. It's an invisible world that exists within this world. It's a, it's a world within a world that works according to the values and the principles of God. That's what it is when Jesus says the kingdom of God is coming near. He's talking about the beginning of this new kind of world. And it's a world that we are invited into. It's a world that Jesus invites every person into with him. 
And in this series, we're sort of deep diving into what this kingdom's like because Jesus spent a huge amount of his time. And if we read what we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, those biographies of Jesus, a huge amount of the words that Jesus speaks are devoted to explaining what this kingdom is, how it works, what it is to be in the kingdom, what it is to live in this kingdom. So we're talking not just about what Jesus is, but we're trying to understand what this kingdom means for us today. What it means to live in the kingdom at your school, at university, in the street you live in, at the job you go to, in the family you're in. And we're doing that by walking, we're walking through Matthew chapters 5, 6 and 7, um, which if you're into sort of Bible nerdy stuff is what we often call the Sermon on the Mount. Because those three chapters represent one sort of single teaching of Jesus. And it's a teaching largely about the kingdom of God. Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, we said in the first week, defining what success looks like in the kingdom. Because in the world, we think of success with words like power and wealth and fame. And Jesus flips that on its head in his upside down kingdom. And he says, no, success in my world is about people seeking peace. People hungering for righteousness. They're just desperate to see the poor lifted up and to see the prisoners free. Success in this world is not about people who are over others, but it's about people who are humble and will lift up and serve others. Jesus teaches in this sermon about the new rules for the kingdom. In the world that Jesus lived in, there were all sorts of rules about what you had to do, especially about the things you had to do with God. And you couldn't do this and you could do that. And Jesus redefines almost all of those rules under one simple command of love. Love God and love others. Last week we saw how Jesus explains that in his kingdom, in his kingdom we live life with just one audience, with just one person we're trying to impress, and that is God. In the world, of course, you live trying to impress your friends and trying to look good in front of your workmates and, and you know, trying to dress the right way and hang with the right people and say the right things. And Jesus says, no, not in my kingdom. In my kingdom, there's only one person whose opinion matters of you. There's only one person you should be trying to impress, you should be living for, and that's God, your Father. Jesus is saying, this is how my kingdom works. This is, this is how it is to live in the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to pick up Jesus' teaching at the end of Matthew chapter 6. If you're there, I'm going to start reading from verse 25. Matthew 6, verse 25. <clears throat> Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. He's preaching outside, right? So there's actual birds flying around. Um, not in here. Uh, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the, the lilies of the field, again, he's outside, he's looking at flowers. See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. In the kingdom that Jesus came to start, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about anything. Now, worry isn't new. I know a lot of us think that you know worry is a, a 21st century thing. Let me tell you, worry isn't new. 2,000 years ago, people worried about stuff just the same way that we worried about stuff. Now, the things that they worried about were different. They worried about food. They didn't have supermarkets and uh, you know, shops to go to. They had to grow their own food. And so if it was a hot summer and there wasn't a lot of rain, if your crops didn't make it, you had no food and you literally died. So they worried about food in a different way than we worry about food. They worried about clothes. In Jesus' day, clothes were really, really expensive. They were one of the most expensive things that a person owned were their clothes. Did you know that in Jesus' time, most people had only two sets of clothes, like a warm set and a cool set, a summer outfit and a winter outfit. Poor people only had one set. And so you worried about your clothes because if your clothes were damaged or were unsuitable, it was really difficult, really expensive to replace your clothes. So they worried about different things than we do, but they still worried just the same way we do. And Jesus says, in my kingdom, you don't need to worry about the things that most people worry about. Why does Jesus say that? Why does Jesus say, don't worry? Jesus presents to us in this short teaching two reasons why people in his kingdom don't have to worry. The first reason is that in his kingdom, the king is all-powerful. Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. That's the things that people did. That was sort of language for tending your crops and looking after your crops. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they are? God looks after the birds and you're more valuable to him than the birds are. So he's going to look after you, isn't he? Verse 28. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the fields grow? They don't labor or spin. Labor and spinning, that was the language of creating clothes and getting clothes. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon was their most famous king, lived hundreds and hundreds of years before, the, before Jesus' time. But, but their vision, their sort of memory, their imagination of Solomon was of this grand king. Like, like you would sort of, I don't know, see in some sort of movie with, you know, long glowing uh, coat and clothes. And, and so for them, Solomon was sort of the peak of, uh, of fashion and of, you know, having everything you want in a clothing department. My daughter would replace this and say, um, you know, would you consider Harry Styles in all of his splendor? Everything that Harry wears, 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everything that Harry wears can't compare. And it's true, isn't it? Like, no matter how well we dress, if you go and look at uh, you know, some of the amazing uh, flowers, you look at some incredible orchids and things, you go, no matter how well we dress, you go, you can't look as good as that. You know, the, the colours and the, and the things that we see in nature don't tell me that Harry's dressed better than the flowers. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, look at the flowers. Look how beautiful they are. Look how God provides for them. And look how God sort of lavishes beauty on them. And he loves you more than them. So you've got nothing to worry about. When we are reborn into God's kingdom, we have an all-powerful king. We have a king that literally created the whole world. A king that created everything we see that is in control of everything we see. And he is a totally loving king. He loves you more than anything else that he's created. And so Jesus is saying, so you don't have to worry about a thing. Because the all-powerful king of the world is in your corner. He can do anything he wants and he loves you. You have got nothing to worry about. But there's a second reason that we need not worry. Because the kingdom that Jesus is talking about lasts forever. And the end of every story in this kingdom is good. When you think about it, when you, and I don't know if you ever do, but I think about this. When you think about it, almost every worry that we had is based on life not turning out well. Do you ever think about that? That's really what worry is. It's a concern that our life might not work out well. What if I fail this test? Well, if I fail a test, I might fail a subject. If I fail a subject, I might fail school. If I fail school, I won't get a good job. And like, that's where the worry comes from. Do I look good? What if I don't look good? What if I look bad? My friends won't like me. Then I'll have no friends. Then I'll be alone in life. Do you know what I mean? What if I don't get this job? Then I'll have no job. I won't get any job. Then I'll have no money. Then I won't have a house. All of a sudden, I'm homeless. What if my health goes bad? What if this isn't a good test result? Then I've got bad health. Then my health will get worse. Then something else happens. The next thing you know, I'm dead. Right? Honestly, this is, this is what worry does to our minds. The end of all worry, when you think about it, the end of all worry is one of two things. Either my life doesn't turn out well, or the life of someone I love doesn't turn out well, or I die. Or someone I love dies. Seriously. It sounds extreme. I know it sounds weird when you say it like that. But that's a, the end result of all of our worry is one of two things. My life doesn't turn out well or my life doesn't turn out at all. But the kingdom Jesus is talking about isn't a kingdom based in this world, right? It's a kingdom that starts in this world, that is available to us in this world, but it's a kingdom that lasts for eternity. And so Jesus will say, and his followers would say, that death, death in this life, is literally like a speed bump on a road, that, that on the road of our life that goes forever. 
death isn't the end. It's just a little bump. Our life continues forever. Our life starts here, but it continues forever into eternity when we're in his kingdom. And the life that we have beyond eternity is good. The life that we have beyond eternity is really good. In fact, the life that we have beyond eternity is perfect. If you want some homework, go and read Revelation chapter 21. It's literally the second last chapter in your whole Bible. And John has this vision of the way things are going to be, this vision of heaven and the way things are going to turn out for the world. And there are these beautiful phrases in Revelation 21 where he'll say there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more tears. He has a vision of a world where there's no longer any anger, any violence or any hate. There's no more greed. There's no more selfishness. There's no more cats. Sorry, how did that get into my notes? Sorry, I don't... It's a vision. John has this vision of a perfect world, right? Just saying. Okay, okay, back on task. Listen, the end result of a life lived with God is good. It's really good and it lasts forever. So remember we said that all worry boils down to one of two things, my life doesn't turn out well or I die. They're two things that will never happen in the kingdom of God. Do you see that? In the kingdom of God, your life always has a happy ending. And in the kingdom of God, you will never die. The two things that that are the basis of all our worry are two things that you don't have to worry about because they will never happen when you live in the kingdom of God. No matter how bad your life gets, no matter how, how tricky, how complex, how difficult, how painful the circumstances of your life get here, in the kingdom of God, you are promised a happy ending. It works out well for you. It works out well for me. And in the kingdom of God, our death in this life is never our ultimate death. We get to live forever. That's the promise that Jesus makes in his kingdom. So let's get personal and talk about our worry, right? Because worry is a massive problem in our world, isn't it? And it's a problem that seems to be getting bigger, which is bizarre when you think about it, because we're living longer than anyone at any time in history. We are wealthier than people at any time in history. We are safer than people have been in, at any time in history, even though I know you say, well, there's war here and there's war there and whatever. The statistics are undeniable. There is more peace and there is more safety in the world now than there has ever been at any time in history. And yet we seem to worry more than anyone has at any time in history, don't we? So let's talk about what Jesus is saying and what that means to your life and to my life. And let's talk about what Jesus isn't saying, because Jesus isn't saying, don't worry because there's nothing to worry about. And Jesus isn't saying, don't worry, as in, just don't care about it. You know, just have no concern for it. He's not saying that at all. 
What Jesus is saying that in his, is that in his kingdom, the king can be trusted. The king can be trusted 100% because he is all-powerful. He is the creator of all things. Paul will say in Colossians that, that he described him as he is the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things. Right, which means that he created all things and he keeps all things going. That's what Jesus is sort of talking about when he's talking about uh, the birds and the flowers. He's saying he created these things and he sustains these things. He gives them life. He keeps them going on a daily basis. And he loves you. He's all powerful. He created you. He sustains you. and He loves you. He wants your best. You don't need to worry about the details of your life because the guy that is in command, in control, the author of your life is completely trustworthy. When I was 40 years old, which is a long time ago, uh, for my 40th birthday, my family gave me a voucher for a flight simulator. Right? So I went along and I sat in a, in a box. It was a room, but it was the cockpit of a 737 jet. They're the kind of normal jets, the ones that you fly to Melbourne on and whatever. And I got to, with a, with a pilot, a proper qualified pilot, um, to fly this plane, this imaginary plane, this flight simulator, to fly this 737. And we got to take off and land from a bunch of actual airports. The, the, you know, the vision outside the screen were, were real airports at places in the world. So you could, you could say, look, we want to take off and land at, you know, I can't remember where we took off Rio de Janeiro or somewhere rather. And I want to tell you, you should never fly with me, right? <laughs> There's all these buttons everywhere. There's so many things to remember, and you've got to push this while you pull that and whatever. And, and uh, this 737, we were going all over. We didn't actually crash, right? Because the guy next to me's also got controls, and he stopped. I would have crashed. He stopped us from crashing a number of times. But the plane sort of was going more and more like this, and I'm trying to... And it's just going more and more... And, you should never trust me to fly a plane, right? Yet I'm prepared to go to the airport today and get on a plane, not even knowing who's flying the plane, and to trust, and not in a simulator, to trust someone to fly me in an actual plane from here to somewhere else. Why is that? Because I trust that the man or woman behind the cockpit knows what they're doing, right? I don't even have to know their name. I just trust that they know how to fly a plane. I trust them to fly the plane better than I would trust me to fly the plane because they know what they're doing. That's kind of like what Jesus is trying to tell us about life, right? He's saying the guy in the cockpit knows what he's doing. He created this plane. He built this plane. He knows every inch of the plane. Trust him to fly the plane. In this kingdom, you can trust the king with the details of your actual life, your school, the assignment you're trying to write this week, the uni work that's stressing you right now, the job that you're about to start, hoping that it works out right, the big thing that's happening at your work that you're thinking, man, I hope this goes good for me. Your kids that you're thinking, man, I hope these, you know, I hope these kids will turn out all right. Your parents and your grandparents. 
the stressful meeting that you're looking at in your job this week going, man, I don't know how this is going to go. This is Jesus. Jesus isn't talking about something out there. He's talking to people about their actual lives saying, you don't need to wait. You can trust the king of this kingdom with the actual circumstances of your life. And he says, and even when those circumstances don't turn out well, because we live in a broken world, right? Where there are other people who are not following God's way. You know, there's, there's crazy stuff that happens, right? Even when your circumstances don't turn out well, no matter how bad things get, you win in the end. The final scene of your life is beautiful. When the credits roll on your life, when you leave this life, and all of us will, right? No matter how healthy you are, no matter how good, you know, we're all going to die one day. That Jesus is offering you a path into an eternity which is good which is really, really good. Whatever happens in your life, it's going to turn out well. Whatever happens in your life, you're not going to die. That's the promise of the kingdom of God. It's like watching one of those action films that I like to watch. You know, you know that no matter how many bad guys come, you know that no matter how much trouble the hero gets in, you know it's going to turn out okay. You just do, don't you? So you watch it with interest, you watch it with concern, you watch it, you watch it to wonder how things are going to go, but you never have a moment where you think, I wonder if this film finishes halfway in because someone shoots the guy, Right? You know that doesn't happen. That's how life in the kingdom is. We know that it all works out okay. That's the promise of the kingdom of God. That's the invitation that the kingdom of God makes to each of us. And that invitation offers us a choice. You get to choose. You get to choose whether you believe that what Jesus says about the kingdom of God is actually true. You get to choose that. doesn't matter what I say up here. You get to choose whether you believe that is true for your life. And you get to make a decision as to whether you're going to live life your own way, worrying and stressing about all the details and how things are going to work out and, and if the ending's going to be all right. Or whether you put your life into the hands of the creator, into the hands of the king, and trust that he's got the details of your life all sorted out. And to trust that no matter how pear-shaped it goes to your eyes in this life, the end is good. Even when you come to the point of death, the end is good. Imagine if you chose to believe that. Imagine if you chose to live like that. Imagine if you chose to trust the king with all of your life. 
Imagine if you chose to trust the king with your study. Imagine if you chose to trust him with your job and with your family and with your future. Imagine if you didn't have to worry about life when things went wrong. Imagine if you could live believing that the end result is good, that there is a guaranteed happy ending for your life. Imagine if you didn't even have to worry about death. Imagine knowing that that day it's coming for some of us and sooner for some of us than others of us. I mean, the truth, actually, the truth is we don't know when it's coming. Don't think it's coming sooner just because you're an older person, right? That's the reality of life, isn't it? But imagine knowing that when that day comes, whenever that day comes, that you've got nothing to worry about. Because at the moment that you close your eyes in this life, you will open your eyes in eternity and wonder and joy. You will open your eyes into a life that is perfect where there will be no more tears and no more pain and no more stress and that life will continue forever. Friends, this is the invitation that God makes to each of us. This is the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. It's a kingdom that starts now in this world, an invisible world, in this world where we can live the way that God wants us to live. We can live by the rules of his kingdom. But his kingdom is not just for this world. It continues forever. And when you uh, make the choice to be reborn spiritually into his kingdom. We said John chapter 3, that's, that's, sort of, that's, the, that's the entry cost, right? That's how we get into this kingdom. We are spiritually reborn into this kingdom. We are reborn into a life that has a guaranteed happy ending and that lasts forever. That's the invitation of the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom that we're invited into.